Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Hello, everybody. This is David Lickin, broadcasting live from Denver, Colorado. We're here at the Mortgage Collaborative and having a great time at the Four Seasons listening to industry professionals speaking. And we're dialed in with some new technology, and uh, we're going to be interested to see if this works. Anytime you go and do these remote broadcasts, we are just... um, it's just one of those things. So anyway, I am going to get rid of that music in the background and get ready to just get into talking with you all. So good to have you be with us again. It is Monday, the August 22nd, and it is this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Award, the Innovation Award. So very good to have that award. And we're also thrilled to have with us some special guests today. We've got Gary Acosta, who is the founder of both the Mortgage Collaborative, but also the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. So good to have you with us, everybody. We are pleased to be here at the and a part of the Ultimate Network, which is the Mortgage Collaborative. They do a great job, and I'm really excited that Gary Acosta would take the time to join us. And so, Gary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. It's really good to have you here. Uh, one of the things I want to start talking about is that you've started several organizations. Uh, you started the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. So I want to go there. And then also then you started the Mortgage Collaborative along with Jim Parks. The two of you created that, if I yeah, understand. Jim, Jim and then Dave Kittle and John Robbins. Yeah. yeah. So was it that group? I, I want to Maybe we should start with talking about that because I want to talk about the National Association of Real Estate Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. I want to spend more time there because of the dynamics that's coming into the market. And so let's talk a little bit, start by talking sure. about the collaborative. You launched this, and I want to get some insights and I'll give our listeners insights. If what did you purpose to do with the collaborative? What was the motivation to start this? And then Andy and Alice, if you want to jump in on any questions, welcome that as well. Yeah, well, first of all, I am a product of the mortgage industry. So I've been a mortgage entrepreneur for 25 plus years and have been in the business, owned my companies uh, over those years and was a practitioner first and foremost. When I started NARUP, I started to get involved in sort of the industry dynamic a little bit, got involved in the MBA, just kind of learned that side of the business policy, advocacy, that sort of thing. And when the market was really kind of coming through its changes, when we went through the crash and we're coming through the other side of that, we started to recognize that there were going to be big changes in the industry. The industry was going to be different than what it was before, probably in a profound way. And mortgage originators were going to have to make those adjustments. And at that point, we really thought, and I say we, I'm talking about Jim Park and myself, initially thought that the best role, the best contribution that we could make to the industry would be to create a co-op, create an organization that really help mortgage lenders prepare for the changes both in terms of regulatory capacity, right. but also in terms of the changing demographics. The, the face of the borrower, the face of the consumer was going to change in a big way. And we really thought there was an opportunity for us to uh, add value in that regard. Well, there's no question. And one of the things that's most impressive about the Mortgage Collaborative is you have the MBA's endorsement. 
and involvement, and there's a real unique partnership with the NBA. So those that are considering becoming a member, as I am, and many, I mean, your group is exploding here in size. Let's talk a little bit about the fact that the NBA and the partnership, that, that is a unique aspect of this. That's, and that's not something to, easy to do because well, the NBA not. is pretty protective of that's, their that's brand. A, that's a very good point. So uh, having the, the, the partnership with the NBA was very important to us uh, in the beginning, if for no other reason because of uh, John Robbins and David Kittle's right. involvement, both past chairman of the NBA, very deep roots there. We're not the first group to put together a, uh, a mortgage co-op, as you probably know. And historically, the relationship with the NBA and some of those groups has not necessarily been as healthy as maybe it should be. And, you know, without getting into much detail there, we didn't think that was necessarily the case. We do not ever view the participation in the Mortgage Collaborative as an alternative to the Mortgage Bankers Association. We always saw it as an enhancement to that, a specialty organization, something that added additional value. So Dave Stevens, great friend, uh, somebody I've known for about 15 years. Uh, when we told him that we were going to do this, we wanted him to be very clear that what we wanted to do was uh, to create uh, a specialty organization that really added value, particularly for the mid to small size mortgage, important to them as well. And But we said that if we did this, we wanted to do it with their blessing. And, uh, and, and you're very and fortunate we were able to work that out. That's, yeah. that's outstanding. And then having the past president. So Regina Lowry is a past president. Right. John Robbins a past president. Kittle's Deb, a past Deb president. Still. Deb Stills here That's is right. a past president. I mean, is it five? Is it and, and, four? And, uh, Bill Cosgrove. Oh, Bill Cosgrove. Well. Cosgrove. Yeah, right. but he's not here at this particular one. That's right. Yeah, so Bill listens to our podcast. So, Bill, where are you? You need to hear or <laughs> give him a bad time. Uh, when you look at the agenda, what you're trying to foster here, how does this differ and the unique things that people can benefit from here? And I'll add a little bit to that, whatever you Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, we're a relationship business. This is a relationship business. Uh, there's information. It's a dynamic business, first of all. So there's changes happening all the time. So first and foremost, we wanted our members to have access to that information, to the, uh, decision makers, to people who were subject matter experts around the nuances in the industry and have, you know, firsthand, uh, access to those folks. Second is an opportunity to create deeper relationship with their vendor partners, with people who are, are in a position to help those businesses become larger and more profitable over time. So this is really an organization about relationships. Um, and we try to set up all of the activities and all the sessions in a way to where it actually encourages people to build those relationships. Well, I, I could detest the fact that it accomplishes that. It's been great to be here and I'm so honored to be a part of it. I want to shift gears and make sure we allow plenty of time because what's going on with the demographics in this nation, it's so important we get there. But before we go there, Alice or Andy, do you have any questions regarding the collaborative or that come to mind as you're listening to this, or do you, should we switch over to the NAREP? I'm good. You're good, Andy. Alice? Uh, yeah, well, just uh, a quick question. I guess I'd like to know a little bit. Uh, you said it was catered towards the mid to small size uh, membership. So it, can you elaborate a little bit on how that group needs some different support? Is it really just about trying to get the voice that maybe other, they otherwise might not be able to get in, in, you know, just purely because of the size and resources? Yeah, I think that their issues are similar to the larger players, but there are differences and nuances. You know, there's you know, the small and mid-sized independent mortgage bankers, you know, have relationships with warehouse lenders. Uh, they outsource a lot of the functions because they don't have the ability necessar- necessarily to internalize uh, a lot of the regulatory apparatus that the big guys do. 
And so uh, we wanted to create sort of a platform where they'd have access to that information and those relationships where they can get it in a cost-effective pa- fashion and, and be able to participate in what we consider to be best in class in terms of those services. Good response. Anything else, Alice? No, that's it. Thank you. Good, good, good. I want to get over to the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, a great organization that has been around for a while, but many may not be aware of it. But yeah. the power and the size of that. So let's go to the same question. What, how long ago did you start that? And what was uh, your motivation to, to bring this organization? Well, that out? was, you know, that's 16 years ago now. Yeah. And so I was a much younger, sort of naive <laughs> individual in the space. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Ernie Reyes, who was a mentor of mine, passed away two years ago was uh, the co-founder and uh, Ernie was a real estate broker uh, practitioner in San Diego and I was a mortgage broker and Ernie had a really significant uh, actual uh, political background. He was, he was Leon Panetta's chief of staff when Leon was a congressman up in Northern California. He understood the political process. He understood the importance of advocacy. I was a younger sort of wide eyed entrepreneur who wanted to take his business to the next level and didn't have access to mentors or people who could help me sort of get there. And then through a series of conversations, uh, somehow we just made the totally outrageous decision to start NAREP with no real sort of idea what it would take to actually make that happen. So as they say, we built the canoe as we were paddling down the river. Andy talks a lot about that. As a <laughs> that right? There's a lot, you're not alone having done that. But yeah, so that's a great example. So you're building it as you're going. That's right. That's right. And we learned it as we went along. And, uh, but, you know, right around 2000 is when we started the organization. There was a lot of changes happening at that time already, mostly with the Internet. Right. And, and in 2000, the Hispanic community became the largest minority demographic in the country, surpassing the African-American community. Yeah. So those things were sort of happening at the same time. And, uh, you know, Ernie encouraged me to kind of just let's do it. And, uh, and we did. And, you know, I would say in the first years, David, you know, what we were doing more than anything else was creating awareness, just right. telling people that this was going to be an emerging demographic that was going to have a profound impact in the industry. Today, it's different. I don't have to make that sell quite as much. People are more interested in solutions. Great. We know the, the, the community is growing. Help us understand that community better. How can we sort of create services to be able to accommodate that changes, those changes? So it's a much more fun time for us, quite frankly. Well, you're uh, having phenomenal. And yeah. Let's talk you. Let's fast forward. You just had your 2016 conference, did you not? Uh, no, that's so coming that's up. coming up next month. Oh, that's, that's coming right. up next month. Yeah, okay, yeah. for some reason, I thought you already had had that. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the size of the organization right now and the purpose. And what are you, What are you? is it advocacy? What are the benefits? For, and is it available to non-Hispanics? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so first of all, absolutely. So we're a mission-driven organization. Uh, we're all about advancing sustainable homeownership within the Hispanic community. We believe in homeownership. We believe it's a great thing. We believe that it leads to a greater quality of life. And so we want to empower the real estate professionals that serve Hispanic consumers to be in a great position to provide those services and serve the community well. And whether you're Hispanic or not, if you're serving Hispanic consumers, you are more than welcome uh, to come and participate in the organization. And I would say um, approximately 25% of our members are non-Hispanic. Wow, yeah. 25%. That's, That's right. It. So let's talk about some of the initiatives that you have going on, some of the, 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 the things that you're, are in your focus and for the Hispanic community. If you could give us in some insights into some of the um, challenges or areas that where those 
where our industry can come back and do a better job of supporting? So great question. So, so NARP, um, you asked a question about the size. So yeah, we have 26,000 individual <laughs> members. 26,000? 26,000 individual members. We have 55 local chapters across the country. Wow. Um, and I would say, if I, I would say one of the things that's great about the organization is the members aren't just sort of passive members. They are very vested active members within the organization. So you come, which we'd love to have you come visit us at some point, visit a conference. You will see probably as much or more energy that you've ever seen at a real estate event. And so just a lot of enthusiasm for the organization. People are passionate about uh, a better life and being a participant in our industry. Uh, And so it's a great thing to see. So the organization is growing. It's on on a pretty, you know, fast trajectory right now. We do participate in public policy. So we have a policy conference every year in, in the spring. We had about 600 people out to Washington, D.C. doing Hill visits, focusing on issues that we think are especially relevant to the Hispanic homebuyer population. Access to low down payment mortgages, for example. You know, in, uh, uh, you know, um, you know the mortgage access issue is a big issue. Uh, yeah. Probably a bigger issue right now is access to a, affordable housing stock. Right. Mm. So the inventory a issue, issue is a big issue. We don't talk about it quite as much because it's probably more complicated, but just creating, uh, you know, helping policymakers understand those those uh, issues. Uh, every so often we'll weigh in on things such as GSC reform and what's happening over at FHA uh, and some of those things uh, that have sort of some specific characteristics or, or nuances connected to the Hispanic community. One thing to really kind of make note of when you're talking about the Hispanic market um, about 70% of all Hispanic homebuyer transactions are to first-time homebuyers. Oh, really? To first-time homebuyers. And so when you think about that and you recognize that, you start to understand what are the issues that are most relevant to that community, right? So we're an organization, first of all, that certainly is focused on public policy. But even more than that, we're about professional education. We want the real estate practitioners that are serving the Hispanic community to be the best in the industry, to have access to the best information, the best tools and resources that are out there, um, and we want them to serve the community well. Let's talk about sustainable home ownership. Yeah. One of the statistics, I was understanding that when a Hispanic gets that first-time home, the probability of them going delinquent is less than some of the other demographics. Could you speak to that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, that, that's really great. So if you understand the Hispanic community, you understand how familia, family, is central really to the culture yes. itself, right? Love and it. so when you think about that and you think about the importance of family, the importance of the home right. goes hand in hand with right. that. And so when Hispanics, like everybody else, have challenges, maybe they have gaps in their employment or they have a health issue or whatnot, you'll see the family rally around that situation to make sure that the home is preserved. And yes. so for that reason, you see the Hispanic community being some of the best performance, uh, seeing some of the best performance uh, in terms of loan performance within the Latino community, especially when you consider how much of the loans that are going to Hispanics are some of the riskier loans, the high LTV, uh, you know, first time home buyers. And so Is forth. there, um, for those that are looking to serve, do a better job of serving the Hispanic community and their own communities, are there certain loan programs there that are, there's a greater propensity to use. You talked about FHA first time yeah. low down. Uh, how about, so let's talk about FHA and then let's, I want to get into Fannie and Freddie and how they're supporting the community. So uh, there's a kind of running joke inside the Latino community that FHA actually stands for for Hispanic Americans. <laughs> that. So, uh, so the FHA product has been very important to the Hispanic community for a long time. <laughs> first of all, of course, it accommodates low down payment, right. so three uh, percent, which for any first-time homebuyer is really important. 
But also there are nuances within the FHA program that are helpful, such as they allow for non-occupant co-borrowers. Okay. Right? So you'll see sort of extended families sometimes pull their resources to buy that first home, right? And so for a non-Hispanic sort of uh, underwriter or whatnot and seeing a non-occupant co-borrower, that may seem like a much riskier sort of scenario, uh, but not so much within the Hispanic community because of the closeness of the family structure. So for some of those uh, issues within, um, you know, down payment assistance, for example, FHA tends to be a little bit more accommodating for down payment assistance programs. And so FHA product is important. Nuances within those products are useful. But you start to see some of the conventional products because we don't want to have access just to one product. We need a Fannie Mae. We need Freddie Mac. We need the conventional products to also be there and be available when the situation is, is, uh, is more relevant or more correct for those consumers. And we're starting to see that. We're starting to see Fannie and Freddie really start to recognize this. I gave a talk last week or a week before. How long has it been? Time flies so quickly. It was a week or a week, two weeks ago up in um, Traverse City, Michigan. And I spoke on millennials and mm. demographics. And it was yeah. really interesting. Now, what's most interesting when you start looking at the millennial population, which I spent most of my focus looking at, that, that segment, that the millennials is actually growing in size because of the number of immigrants and the Hispanic contribution to the millennial population is the fastest growing that's causing that group to grow. That's right. So talk a little bit about the demographics and the growth because of that immigration. And then at, we're going to get several people are already texting me saying, Dave, get into politics. You got to get here because we can probably anticipate who you're probably more in favor, of, especially with Donald talking is doing, but let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about some of the demographics of what's happening in there. It's, it's yeah, really so encouraging. First of all, uh, 25% of all millennials are Hispanic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my kids, you know, they're, they're part of that generation. Uh, but it's even more important to recognize that one of the reasons why the Hispanic community is so important to our industry in particular is because it is much, a much younger demographic. Right. Right. So the average Hispanic in this country is 10 to 15 years younger than the general population. Wow. And if you look at household formations, Mm -hmm. who's forming households right now, uh, Hispanics represent almost 50 percent of all new household formations nationwide right now. That is a significant. I was not aware of that. And I'll give you even one data point that's even more, uh, I think, compelling than that is if you look at those households that are being formed. So my daughter's in college. If she moves out with a roommate and they get an apartment, that's a household that's actually right. being formed. Hispanic households are twice as likely as the general population to be made up of at least uh, of two parents and at least one child. Wow. So much it. more aligned with the desire to pursue home ownership. So all of those things are uh, especially relevant. And it also sort of plays to one, I think, maybe not quite as intuitive factoid within the Hispanic community, and that is how technologically savvy they are yeah right so that's interesting they, part- that. they participate in social media at a much higher rate than any other segment of our population and it's primarily because they're younger let's talk about some of the technology components yeah. of this because that's that's an interesting statistic because you look at what's i think many americans assume is that they're in the service industry so many hispanics are in the service industry working that and that they may not associate technology with that but that's it right. makes sense when you have familia the family that is what Facebook specifically is so powerful is keeping family together. That's right. Yeah. And so, and so I can understand the technology. Uh, Bill Emerson was, is here and gave a really inspirational talk yeah, yesterday. Speech. Really good speech. last night. 
yesterday afternoon. And uh, he talks about, of course, the rocket mortgage. And there's, you know, there, uh, there's a couple comments about the rocket mortgage. You know, is it sure. really the future? Let's talk about the adoption of technology as it relates to application in the mortgage industry. Do you see the Hispanic population embracing something like the Rocket Mortgage or Roostify or all the other companies that are out there providing the mobile apps? What, what, what's your so, thought on that? So, yes, with one caveat, and that is Hispanics, as a rule, make their purchasing decision based on trust more than anything else, ah. more than brand, more than price. If they trust you, they'll do business with you. And so one of the challenges for technology companies is how do you create that trust without that personal contact, right? right? And so I, the, the last thing I would ever do, David, would be bet against Quicken Loans, yeah. right? Because yeah, those, those guys are just smarter than you yeah, know, good. everybody, right? So, but uh, I would say that their challenge is going to be how do they develop trust? How do they become a trusted brand within the Latino community, right? Because right now, the folks that are getting that business within the Hispanic community are the ones that are in the community. Because I always say they can't trust you if they don't know you, yep. right? Yep. And so, yes, they love technology. Yes, they'll go online and they'll do some sort of uh, – So the behavior of millennials – I mean, millennials are doing more discovery online in advance of the transaction. Absolutely. They look at the home through Zillow. They look at the homes they want to do. So you're saying the millennials are – I mean, the Hispanics within the millennial population – They're going to do that as they're well. They're going to be doing that. And as far as rate discovery, they're going to be using their mobile apps and all the technology out there. So they're going to be doing the same thing. That's right. That's okay. right. But when it comes down to finalizing a transaction – that's where the, the way, there's more to know you what you before you owe. So it's know the person that you're dealing with. There's and, that trust factor. That, and that really, trust factor. really is That's important. Really, really. So what are some of the other things that we need to know that are might be slightly different than the rest of the, the demographics within the millennials? Well, you know, we're in a relationship. We're in a relationship business, right? We yeah, talk mortgages about this. A, yeah. so, so I tell people that if you're going to be successful in this business, you've got to be good at relationships. If you're going to be successful in this business as it relates to the Hispanic community, you multiply that times four. Oh, really? Okay. Because relationships are everything within the Hispanic community, right? So the realtor is the trusted advisor. Right. And the realtor in the Hispanic community is even beyond that. That is their, their financial guru for really? all intents and purposes, right? So helping them navigate through that process is really, really critical. You can't really get to the Hispanic consumer, at least from our industry standpoint, without developing those trusting relationships with realtors at that's, the end of the day. That's a really good data point because I think a lot of people are looking at, in some cases, we're seeing the realer being disintermediated, kind of cut out of the process. But that's not the case. That's not the case here. And then with the Hispanic population, that's very interesting. Let's get back to talking. Is there anything more that comes to mind that, that, we sh- that leaps out that we should understand in, in if we start for those that want to pursue a deeper relationship with the Hispanic community. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to talk a little bit of what I see working out there yeah, talk right about what now. Works and what doesn't, you know, what, as much as what does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I'll tell you what doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So people, uh, you know, kind of over the last several years when, you know, they always kind of come to me and say, Hey, I've got this great solution for the Hispanic market. What do you think? And, you know, they start off by, Hey, I've, we've translated our website into Spanish. And, and, and they expect that people are just going to knock down the door. And, and so that doesn't do it. That doesn't do it. That doesn't, that doesn't it help. So it's not, it's a good step, but well, I think you're right. It does help because it does make the statement at least yes. that you're committed to the marketplace. Right. right. And in that regard, it is important. Um, but when I sit down with mortgage companies and they ask me specifically, what do they really need to be successful in this space? They, one of the things they ask me right out of the gate is, do you have to be Hispanic to be able to That's be right. successful in serving the Hispanic marketplace? 
And I say definitively, absolutely not. I know a lot of non-Hispanics that are doing tremendous Give us an example. Give us an example of one. Does one come to mind that leaps off the page at you? Companies? Or, yeah. or companies or yeah. So there's companies out there such as Bay Equities. That, uh, they're a player in, in California. They're spreading nationwide. Uh, they're not Hispanic-owned, uh, but they've made some good decisions in terms of staffing, and they focus on the products that I think are relevant, relevant to the Hispanic market. And then you got people like Jason Madiero over at uh, Altera Home Loans. Yes, Hispanic Jason, I love Jason. 80. We're going to have him on the podcast. Yeah, he, We're going to have he and his mom on the podcast. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. I, I got to know when that's happening yeah. because his mom is amazing. Uh, you got Patty Ariello and uh, Rick Ariello, who yes. are New American Funding, yep. that have gone from a $1 billion business to a $10 billion wow. business in less than five years with a laser focus on the Hispanic market. And so what they've done, and this is, they're, 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 those two companies uh, are really a great case study, right? Yeah. Because I went to Me and I did this presentation on the Hispanic market to their advisory group. And I said, let's look at these two companies and let's break it down. First of all, they're independent mortgage bankers. So they don't really have any competitive advantage when it comes to product. They've right. got the same products as yep. everybody else. They don't really have any cost of funds advantage, right? They use right. warehouse lines. So how is it that they are destroying the competition when it comes to the Hispanic market? One thing and one thing only that differentiates them, and that is they have made a concerted effort to diversify their workforce like nobody else oh, has. Really? And not just at the sales level, at the operations level as well. Because if you ask an originator, whether he's Hispanic or not, who does a lot of business in the Hispanic community, why would you choose one company over another to work for? They'll tell you almost without hesitation because they know how to get my loans done. So wow. when I talk about those nuances yes. within those products, yeah. I talk about those underwriters that don't freak out when they see the non-occupant co-borrowers. That's what they mean by that, right? So I tell companies, if you want to develop a Hispanic marketing strategy, you start off by focusing on operations. Because if you have a diverse operations team that understands the nuances within the culture that can relate to your loan originators, they are going to attract the loan originators that you want. Uh, we, I'm looking at how quickly the time flies here. So I'm going to open the mic up to Alice and Andy to jump in with some comments or questions. Do you have anything, Al? Let's start with you, Alice, being polite here. Well, I love that you just used the word operations as a key point to start in. <laughs> surprise, surprise, you love that, Alice. <laughs> I know, the, the, the originators get all the credit, but it's really the ops people that do the work. Yeah, well, but it is so critical because, like you said, you know, the realtor definitely is an important component that we've heard uh, for for this particular market. But so, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Um, I, I'm assuming that's offering from an operational side. I think of uh, my staff is well trained. I have a diversified workforce who knows uh, some of the sensitivities that need to be considered. My underwriters really know the difference in, the, in some of the um, geographic uh, situations that you may be running into and cultural differences. Can you, is that, you know, tell us a little bit more about operationally how that makes a difference. Yeah, so we use a term called cultural competency. Uh, I like to repeat that. Yeah, cultural, cultural competency. competency. So you want your operations team to be culturally competent. And that means that they're not, they're familiar and they're comfortable with the nuances, the kind of slight little variations that they see when they are actually underwriting or processing a loan from a, a diverse borrower. Um, and so 
having that sort of comfort and, and we talk about the products and right now we're not in a product driven environment, right. you know, you know, we're not like it was in 2004, 2005, where there was a new product, you know, every day and it was worse than the last one. You know, everybody fundamentally has the same products, but there are, as I said, nuances within those products that will make them uniquely relevant to Hispanic home buyers, right? So whether it's the ability to be able to do bond loans or do uh, accommodate down payment assistance programs, uh, being familiar with those programs, being able to close those deals on time, being able to deal with multi-generational borrowers that may be on the same application or whatnot. Not every Hispanic loan is like that. Don't let me give you the wrong okay. impression, right? So maybe it's more like one out of five, one out of four that's like that. Okay. But if I'm wa- as a loan originator walking into a real estate office, and that real estate office does a lot of Hispanic business, and they got five deals, and two of them require down payment assistance, right? If I can't do those loans well, I'm not going to get the other three, right? Right. So those are the types of things, those skill sets, closing the deal on time. I mean, Hispanic realtors are no different than anybody else in the sense that they just want the deal to get done. Yeah. They want the loan to get closed. But those loans sometimes require a little bit more skill. And, um, you know, if you have the operations team that can do that well, your loan officers are not only going to stay with you, they're going to go get all of their friends that are out there as well to come and be part of your, your company as well. Andy, let's run over to you. We're, we're almost out of time here, but go ahead. Get in a question if you want to. Yes. Thank you so much. Hey, Gary, great to hear your comments right on point. And, oh, thank and you. An, another thing I noticed that I believe is right on point are the 10 disciplines that you list on your website. Hmm. Yeah, I believe you have to, be, um, have to have a multidimensional approach to life, you know, mind, body, soul, and it's not like some of the groups that it's all about me, but in your, on your site you list things like being generous to others, being active in your family, some really important, Good solid stuff, yeah. points in addition to being the best in your, your business. Um, h- how do you encourage your members to embrace and actually implement these disciplines in their lives? So that's, that's a great question. And so um, one of the taglines that we sort of put out there uh, for NARP is we say it's where Hispanic culture and business opportunity intersect. And that value system is something that resonates across the association. And one of the reasons why people feel so vested and so passionate about the organization. What you're referring to is something we call the NARP 10 uh, that we released early this year, which really articulates what we believe defines what it is to be a NARP member. And uh, you're right. It talks about, you know, having a mature understanding of wealth and prosperity, right? It talks about being great at what you do from a professional standpoint, but it also talks about your commitment to family. It talks about, uh, you know, things as such as philanthropy and being generous to people uh, who are less fortunate than you. And the reason for that is because we believe nothing gives your work more meaning. Nothing gives you more energy for the business that you do than uh, than those things and That's our members great. are really enthusiastic about those things those are the what page are those on on your andy i, I gave andy the website so he's doing being the good student that he is you can look under about us and then there's a tag there for, for right, our 10 all right so by the way i apologize i've got my, i'm doing this through my computer <laughs> and i realized notifications are coming through the broadcast oh well so anyway we're obviously out of time give us your thoughts on the election uh we've got two distinct elections. how do you talk about this well election? you know um uh, it's some it's it's interesting right so i always say that his, that the narp in particular as a trade association tends to do a little bit better in in republican administrations really? than democratic administration because we're a business organization right. right and both parties want access to the hispanic community right, right. of course 
And so uh, we're not a civil rights group. And so, the, you know, when, we, when George Bush was president and the relationship we had with HUD and all that was really great. Not to say that it hasn't been great lately, but I, I want to just kind of dispel the notion that Hispanics are all sort of liberal leaning whatnot. But when you start your campaign really sort of vilifying <laughs> a big segment of the Hispanic community, that's kind of a non-starter for that's, a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that in this case, Don, Donald Trump has an uphill battle really that's getting trust, acquiring trust with oh, the Hispanic man. community. Yeah, where he has my. If I listen to my wife, he he's a he's a. You know, she's not at all Democratic. We've been Republican most of our lives. But you look at this thing, it is just ah, it's one <laughs> tough thing. We as the drums start saying we are out of time. Gary, thank you so much. David, for taking, a privilege. Thank really, you. what an honor. We've got to have you on. I can't wait to get Jason and his mom on. Oh, you're gonna have what, that. that is going to be a wild one as well. So good, good to have you. Congratulations on your success with the collaborative, and also with your success with the National Association of Real Hispanic Real Estate NAREP. Professionals. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Check it out, NAREP.org, N-A-H-R-E-P.org. John Robbins is right out here about ready to pull me into a lunch meeting. It's fun to see some of the gray hair still around the business. John is just a legend, and good to have you. John, will be right there with you. Thank you, everybody. Tune in next week. We're going to have uh, Tony Moss will be joining us, talking with uh, Mira Catalyst, talking about the, her upcoming event. Lots going on. So good to be with you, and we appreciate you telling others about the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening.